The following is not intended for younger audiences. The opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the podcaster's employers. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome everyone to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films, and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I am Dude Two, Joe. Oh my goodness. It just feels like a special event now every time we do this. Yeah. <laughs> this was... <laughs> it's, like, it's like the fight of the century. <laughs> it's ex- That was exactly my plan um, when I had to uh, slow down my involvement on the podcast. Yeah, it wasn't because you have things going on that uh, going on in your life that make you busy. It's because you wanted fight of the century. <laughs> I-, I wanted this to be special, or at least feel special not that it never not that it didn't feel special when we did it before the other 70 sub mod times before you know we had to make this change but but whatever why you're trying to guess feel special i'm just eating a french fry <laughs> you know folks i try i really do uh, every time i get on the mic there, there are instances there are stretches where you just don't talk which is very strange because i feel like other than the people in my household i don't think i've talked to anybody else more than you <laughs> I, I i i take that as a compliment <laughs> oh man i anticipate that the, the you stuffing your face with french fries is gonna be the after credits audio <laughs> putting in. it's just gonna be so many notes of me going i'm chewing chicken here why are you why are you why is it still here it needs to be here folks the preservation of history depends on it good gravy um but no i'm i'm always excited to get back to doing this and because of because of how busy you've been i genuinely mean this when i ask this how are you I feel like I like besides doing this, I haven't really like had a moment to just sit and talk with you. I'm <laughs> just been busy, you know. Just a, a lot's been going on. Nothing terrible. It's just just uh, just really just been swamped with a lot of things lately. I've in in the interluding, you know, in, in intervening period. Um, what what have I done? Well, I did revisit. I did revisit uh, the Hangover. I don't. I don't. I don't think I mentioned this. The the you know the Todd Phillips directed. You didn't mention movie. it last time, no. No, which is a movie I watched a lot when I in my in my teen years, um, in my twenties. But I hadn't watched it in probably close to a decade, and I was thinking, oh boy, how is this going to age? Especially with like the Joker stuff and where Todd Phillips is at, like, and just yeah, the, the world. Yeah, no, that too. But I gotta say. Considering that basically most of the characters are just unlikable or just so pathetic, <laughs> I love the movie so much. Uh, or, like, I just, I love it so much. And watching it, it's just like, man. <laughs> is that... I kind of miss... <laughs> is, is that what... Um kickstarted your your love of bradley cooper which i don't know if we've really talked about that because we've never really talked about bradley cooper but fun fact dude to joe has has a a a deep love of bradley cooper 
<laughs> yeah, the, 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 the way uh, some people feel about the leading man in our second double feature is the way I feel about Bradley Cooper. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. So, so I will be completely obnoxious until he wins an Oscar, like all those other people were about that leading man not winning an Oscar. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. When, when we'll, time, get to we'll get to that when the time comes. Uh, no, I love Bradley Cooper because also I rewatched Nightmare Alley, which so has good. been been even more solidified as one of my top three of the year. Um, it's so it's so damn good. It's it's insane, and I I just think about I'm not even going to spoil what happens at the end, but just the last couple of seconds in the movie with his performance, like so good. It, it all comes full circle. I'll just say that full circle, you know. Um, but other than uh, my love of Bradley Cooper, <laughs> i i got um, I got a gift from Allison. Uh, speaking of loves, hi Allison. Uh, I she she proposed this to me. Um, she proposed? To, no. <laughs> <laughs> Very poor choice of words. <laughs> and then you just throw. Just throw Rachel Dawes out the window. Anyway. Ah! <laughs> the way you threw have... yourself after her. <laughs> the way I was thrown. <laughs> anyway, no. No proposing, no. but... No no proposals like that. But she did said, hey, I think you need a smartwatch. And I go, okay. <laughs> and I'm highly skeptical of this. Like, <laughs> like it's one thing to have a smartphone. Because our mm. whole... Everything we do, like right now, the way we're communicating is through I'm a look, smartphone. I'm looking at you through a smartphone. It is only possible through my Samsung, okay? My Samsung Galaxy S10. I'm using an iPhone 8, I think. We're sponsored by neither, but anyway. <laughs> no. Um, Not even eating an yeah, apple, I'm eating chicken. I know Allison's a big, um, is a huge uh, fan of smartwatches. Um, I, I know she's not big Apple person, um, so she's like, Hey, I'll let you pick out this watch, a watch. And I'm like, okay. And I look at this one and, uh, I gotta say I, it's growing on me. Mm-hmm. And this is really like, this is really cool because I've wanted to have like a watch for a while. I did have like a nice watch that I got many years ago, but I need to take it to like a, like a clock repair guy at some point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't done that, but also too, like, it's just because I've seen people use this just to take phone calls like my mom is a huge smartwatch person <clears throat> i can't imagine my mom without a smartwatch at this oh really point. it's just kind of it's yeah it's kind of crazy like it's crazy we went we went perfectly fine without <laughs> these things for the first you know whatever years of human <laughs> civilization and history and then here we are with the smartwatch it's, it's like cigarettes man like my smartwatch i can activate <laughs> my, my the music component of my on my phone so, like, Allison, <coughs> watch, play my favorite song. <laughs> Playing J- Joe Diddy Dad's Beats. <laughs> <laughs> all, all of it is just a playlist of John and Kenny's. Uh, I was going to say, the first the first song is, A good friend he and a good friend me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, but uh, shout out to Allison, of course. Love you. And this is really cool. Honestly, listen, um, I'm not dating you, but where's my smartwatch? <laughs> I, I'm throwing that out there. Where's my, where's my see, smartwatch? See, just, just, this is, this is why, this is why I'm happy that I'm not in Allison's position. Cause knowing myself, 
Because somebody will say, oh, what? where's my thing? And I will just say, right here, bitch. <laughs> you'd be like, hold on. No, you'd say that, but then you'd actually do it because you're nice. <laughs> that, that's, that's how I am. Yeah. I need to, that's a bad habit that I have that I need to stop. This is why, like, if I know I want something, I'll be like, Joey, I've never done this at Disney World before. All right, we're going. <laughs> we're going. Oh, I, I didn't think you'd go that far. Like, we're going. going. God dang it. <laughs> I don't I, I don't mean to exploit it, but uh, you know, it happens. <laughs> I mean listen, listen. You gotta do what you gotta do. But that's that's really all that's been going on in my uh life. How how have you been? Uh this it is kind of a weird situation because like I like stuff will happen to me through the course of like the two week period that I'm I'm just not talking to you. Yeah, and I'll be like, "This would be a fun story to tell on the podcast," and then I, then I'm like, something else happens. I'm like, "Nope, I don't care anymore." <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's just, it's just a lot that happens. So it's funny because, like, like early on, we would be talking about we would we would do um, two episodes like in like the span of a week, and so like the the weird situation would be like, "Okay, well, I already told you how I was. Now we're recording again. I'm gonna try not to repeat myself and just be like." I'm fine. <laughs> and then it just leads to me ranting about COVID, which, you know, which is my go-to. It's my, it's my catchphrase, my shtick. I hate COVID. I hate the whole situation. Anyway, um, what has been going on? Um, work's been a little, it's been quieting down a lot more, but it's getting a little hectic. Um, a couple of days, like Valentine's Day, it got pretty hectic. Um, mm-hmm. We got the Batman coming out. Which is going to be a big one, so we're going to get we're getting ready for that one. I'm actually I don't really know if I could talk about this, but I I am able to see the movie in theaters, which I'm overjoyed about. Like I'll I'll see like the image of the logo and I'll scream in my head. I'll be like, Ey! listen, there's going to be some audible screaming, and I feel bad for whoever has to clean up after you. But anyway, <laughs> be, be, because um, because of the, it'll if, probably be, be my listen. I, I, I'm a tidy person. I clean up after myself. <laughs> but no, no, I, I, I figured the, out uh, a way to be able to see it in theaters. So that's cool. Yeah. That's good. Um, what else? I'm cont- Sorry. Like, it, it's skipping on my end a little bit. So I'm, I, yeah, I, me, I'm, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So sorry about that. Um, it's okay. What else have we been doing? Um, I've been continuing my my trek through the world of 4k blu-rays mm-hmm. um so i I've, I've i think within the past two weeks i've gotten six new things um sorry i'm trying not to burp because i'm eating at the same time <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what did i get i got the thing which looks great mm-hmm. I got Shutter Island, which stars um, that guy from our second feature, uh, and I, I didn't know this. This is this was apparently the last movie that Scorsese shot on film. Was Shutter really? Island? I did not wow. know that. So okay. I don't know how true that is, but I heard that and I read that in an I mean, article. So I'm like, wow. It makes sense, also, because I think about the Irishman, and that was mm-hmm. definitely shot digital. Not that it isn't a beautiful looking movie, but like it was definitely shot digitally. Yeah. So like, and it, it looks great on 4K too. On that note, um, mm. the Shutter Island. I'm sure 
uh, uh, Irishman looks great in every format, but Shadowrun looks great in 4K. Um, I almost got Looper early because Looper just came out in 4K and it looks great Ooh. on that note. Mm-hmm. Um, Dolby Vision, Dolby Atmos, shot on film. Nice. And uh, initially I almost got it early because Best Buy, because this was the 8th of February and Best Buy had it sitting out on the shelf. Um, and I was like, wait, what? So this doesn't come out to the 15th. Why is this right here? So then I get excited. I'm like, I'm going to try to buy it. So I go up to the front and I hand it to them and me having a big mouth. I mentioned that I thought this didn't come out till the 15th. And they're like, oh, you're right. I can't sell this to you. <laughs> so, but I, I've I had ordered... that experience. I've had that experience with like Disney Infinity stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More than once, too, actually. <laughs> You're like, but I want it now. No, I'm sorry, it doesn't come out. But I want it now. Can I have it now? No. But I, you have it. It's real. It's right here. It's for front of me. No. Okay. Can you put it aside for me? No. Can I? Can I hold it a little bit longer? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm <out>. gone. <laughs> no, but um, I did end up just ordering it anyway, and it came early, so I still got it early, just not as early as I would, I would have been kind of cool. Um, right. looks great in 4k. If you haven't seen Looper, it's such a great movie. Um, and it's still so weird to see Joseph Gordon Levitt in like, um, Bruce Willis face, <laughs> but he's, he does a very good impression, which is just makes it weirder. Oh, you know what you need to watch also at some point on another note, red letter media put out a video about like the, all the Bruce Willis movies that are mm-hmm. just really like crappy. Bruce Willis movies, mm-hmm. <laughs> the geezer teasers. <laughs> are, are are a lot of those movies? I have food in my mouth. Are a lot of those movies mm-hmm. um, in the the Razzie category? That's just him. That's just him. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, no, and it's sort of funny to think about that too because I'm watching him in the movie and I'm like, was this like he does he does a good job in the movie, but at the same time you, you kind of think. Did they just dress Joseph Gordon-Levitt like that so that Bruce Willis didn't have to actually, like, act as, like, a precautionary thing? You see, Ryan Johnson is just a good, just a good filmmaker. He knows what he has to do. <laughs> he's like, I don't know if Bruce is going to bring gonna bring it or if he's just going to wing it today. So we're just going to have Joseph Gordon-Levitt just dress up like him. <laughs> um, I, I, on that note, just as a little, a slight teaser, we do have a Ryan Johnson movie next week, according to my schedule. You mean the week after? The, uh, the next time, yes. yes. Thank you. Yeah. Don't get people too excited. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? Oh, you know what? I got the the new re- the new release that Sony did of the Raimi trilogy, the Spider Man Raimi trilogy. Oh, nice. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> really? It's. Like the, the movies themselves look great, like the movies themselves are good, but the the, the set it, it there's no bonus features. Okay. The the case is very um, basic. Um, they use this. They use sort of the same artwork they did on like that old Blu-ray that came with like the sleeve that folded out. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no bonus features, no that, and um, they never fixed the the Atmos track on Spider-Man Three. Do you know about this? This sounds familiar. Yeah, as I, I I forgot about it when I was watching the movie when I was watching Spider Man Three, but towards the end of the movie, um, the Atmos track just kind of like 
craps out and it like just is like noise and so yeah it's it's terrible it's terrible um so but if you watch it in like the the surround like i think dolby digital 7.1 i think it is Mm -hmm. it's the same and it's better you could hear it's you hear the whole movie at least at that point right but i mean it just feels like there's so many like um quality control issues Mm. lately with um and I, this has been well documented and the reasons why for that and all that but but like with um, the, but this this because these because these four k's came out in like 2017 i think right so you think that maybe they would have tried to fix it but i don't know but i will say spider-man 2 is one of the best looking sounding movies in 4k i've ever watched like it's incredible like how good it mm-hmm. is Especially like when you get to, when Bill Pope takes over as cinematographer, like your mind is blown. So I'm I'm pretty happy with that. It just sucks. I wish that it came with more, but you know it, they were just like we just want to release the movie. So I get that. I'm just happy to have the movies. I just wish there was a little bit more to it. I mean that's my like I I hate that when you upgrade like like a disc to a new format, it doesn't just port over the old bonus features. Mm-hmm. Like I know there's different reasons for that, but like. I, for example, I have a 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea DVD that I've had since I was, like, a kid. And I can't get rid of it because it's got the bonus features. The Blu-ray doesn't have that stuff. Nope. Thanks, Disney. Yeah. I had to I had to replace the, the case for my Pirates of the Caribbean so I can keep the bonus features. <laughs> and then I sent Joey the sleeve. Can I see it? Do you have it? It's upstairs right now. I didn't. Right. I haven't gotten to move it yet. There's a <laughs> lot of discs right now that are just sort of floating, which makes me uncomfortable, actually. Yeah, but... I, yeah. But you know, speaking of uncomfortable discs, let's go to our first movie. <laughs> it has no relation to that whatsoever. Whoa! I was about to say <laughs> that does not reflect your letterbox review. <laughs> uncomfortable discs. No, 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 no. I, uh, I'm kidding. Um. No, this this I I am really excited to talk about this double feature because for the longest time we've talked about this first movie and finding a place for it on the show. Mm-hmm. And specifically you because you love this movie. Like you go on Letterbox, it's your like third favorite movie on it Letterbox. Is. It is. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of difficult to figure out what to pair it with in in certain respects cuz I I've I know a lot about the movie but I've never seen it in its entirety because it's uh, osmosis pop culture all that stuff yeah 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 and so this one it's it's nice that it's we finally are ready we have a pairing and it's a very good pairing i like this pairing a lot um and uh joey what um what is our first feature this week well our first feature is none other than the 1942 michael curtis directed Best Picture winning Casablanca. Woo! I got chicken in my mouth again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is... So, I think part of the other thing with this... Like, this show... Like, you show me stuff. I show you stuff. I'm trying to show you stuff that's like... Like, you have to see this. Like, it's it's definitely... The stuff I'm showing you is definitely in, like, those thousand and one movies you must see before you die. That that book, I see it sometimes at the store. Mm-hmm. Casablanca is definitely in that book, and as are a number of movies I've I've shown you. But this is a very special movie um, for movie history, but also for myself. But um, 
I first saw this movie when I was in middle school, but I had known about this movie since I was a child because of Disney, uh, MG, then it was called MGM Studios, now it's Hollywood Studios. Oh, um, they had, are you talking about The Ride? The Great Movie Ride, and dude, that's one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't get to take um, Allison or you on that ride, because... Y'all, I mean, I know Allison's seen clips of it online and all that, so mm. but like, I know you would have loved it because it was, it was just a wonderful tribute to what makes the movies great. And one of the movies featured on that attraction is Casablanca, um, and it's the fame is the famous scene at the end of the movie where he says, "We're we'll always at Paris," and you yeah, see he's looking at plane. you, kid. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. trying to do like the chin hold thing. He's looking at you, kid. Yeah, <laughs> so. <laughs> I, and and I I went on that ride so many times. Like there would be many times where that would be our first park that we would do, and our first ride would be the Great Movie Ride. Mm-hmm. Um, so I known about like Humphrey Bogart and and Casablanca for years, and then I watched it finally um, when I was in middle school, and it was one of those movies where it just hit me. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is one of my like all time. At that point, it was probably my favorite movie. Was honestly was it in yeah. the VHS box? It was it was actually not a tape my dad had. This was a tape that my uh, grandmother on my mom's side had, mm-hmm. and I was at her place once. Like, can I borrow this? And she's like, Yeah, sure, why not? This was like a year before she passed, and I watched it one night, and I watched it over and over and over. Couldn't and put over it down. And, no, and and then when I got it on DVD, it was even worse. I like. <laughs> <laughs> you like, ruined I, the I, disc like damn it i gotta get another one like i like i kid you not i probably watched it close to a hundred times within the span of a month oh my god this is yeah it's a big one so this is a movie nowadays i don't see it nearly that much now. i probably watch <laughs> it like once a year now but as long as you watch it right i as, as long as i watch it i watch it at least once a year because it, it's such a i think it, it, it to me you know, because I love old Hollywood and stuff. Oh, yeah. And I think, even though King Kong's like my favorite movie of all time, um, I'd say Casablanca is probably the best representation of a product of the studio system. Mm-hmm. Because this was a movie. There, most move. There's some movies out there, like especially now, where they make them for like awards. They make them because they want to make. Obviously, everybody wants to make money, but like they make them because it's based on a popular character. This was just one of like the 50 movies that Warner Brothers made that year. They didn't think this was going to be like one of the most celebrated movies of all time, but then it became that way. They were just making a movie. <clears throat> mhm. So like cuz it just had cuz there's so many movies with a lot of those stars together. Like we watched Maltese Falcon, which had Bogart, Sydney Greenstreet, Peter Lorre, and mm-hmm. they were in a couple other movies. Too. I mean, Across the Pacific has a bunch of those guys in there too and Claude Rains in some of those movies as well. And you know, but and some of the, it just shows you how hard it is to have like a movie that's like really gets it really just grabs the public by the throat and is like I'm important. <laughs> it, it it even watching it like because I, I going into it I, again I knew so much about it just from us like even lines like I had no clue the the um this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship was from Casablanca. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just knew that that was something people said. Um. But there's so much that I knew about it, and going into it, it felt like sort of an endeavor a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm going into this, like, it, I felt more like this was something important than, like, when we watched Citizen Kane the first time. Mm. 
like that oh, one wow. yeah that one like not nothing against citizen Kane, but like this one it like it just so much about it feel feels so important and feels like it was needed this is probably the first real time not that any other time did but this is the first time i could probably say that this is one of those movies that I was like, oh god, I hope I, I hope I like it because if I end up not liking this afterwards, that's gonna suck. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna be so awkward. Like, uh, like the one guy that's like, you know, Casablanca is a little overrated. You're like, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> and the person saying excuse me is a Gen Zer. <laughs> I've never heard of John Stamos, but I'm, I'm wondering why you have an issue with Casablanca. <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> so like this 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 had this had a lot of a lot of weight to it just going into it and thankfully i left very much liking it that's good <laughs> so i was very i was very happy about that i'm glad about that um so this movie um th- what's interesting is like we talk about like historical movies sometimes like movies that ha- like take place in a given like time period and are made like Looking period piece on something, period pieces. They look back on a time period. Yeah, Casablanca is very much in the now of its time. Because because that's what I didn't know is that even though it's set during World War Two, like the movie was made during World War Two. It was released in nineteen um, nineteen forty two, and it was based on an unproduced stage play called Everybody Everybody Comes to Rick's. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was called, and they bought the play. And they made it into a movie, but it was very much like a movie about going through Europe and going through the the, the other outside of America during World <laughs> War II. And one of the things I love about this movie, and the reason why it's aged so well, I think, I mm. mean, we know that the, that we beat the Nazis, but the movie didn't know that. No, they they had no clue. Which it raises the stakes in a certain way. Like there's a security blanket because you know things are going to be okay. No the one in the movie knows. Know <laughs> like, like that's the, like the ending. You're just like, oh man, th- is this really gonna? Is this gonna work out? I'm not too so sure about this. And then there's like, oh my god. And on that same note too, I, I keep thinking about like, if this like say because obviously at that time there was there were Nazis in America, right? And there was probably some people that were probably siding with the Nazis. So it, I'm not saying this is the case for everyone involved with this movie, but this movie could have easily been like, you know, neutral Nazi if that makes sense. Mm. Okay. You could have went into it like, you know, they have no clue that the Nazis were going to be like such a huge problem and then would lose the war and all that stuff. Like they're just they're just in the movie and, you know, it's like like cuz there was points I was wondering are they like is Conrad Veidt like going to be like just a normal character? Like he's not the villain. And it's like, no, he's a villain. I'm like, okay, good. <laughs> See, I love Con I mean, Conrad Veidt's great. We talked about him on the program before when we talked about Thief of Baghdad. I know mm-hmm. you know of him through Cabinet of Dr. Caligari and his oh, yeah. performance in The Man Who, uh, the Man Who Laughs. But what I love about in this movie, like, obviously he, we know he's bad just because he's a Nazi. But he doesn't do explicitly awful things on screen. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because I think about um, the captain, or the, you know, in, the, um, in Pan's Labyrinth, right? Who yeah. is a despicable person. We see, we see the atrocities that man does. We just see Conrad fight, and it's like, okay, he's a Nazi. We just know this is the bad guy. <laughs> he's he, we just know he's the bad guy. He's got he's a little nation pride in his in his soul, mm. and um, he's he's just sitting at the bar, but he's not like clearly sinister. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I was just glad that at the end of the day, he was like still the bad guy in a way. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think. Like basically, the the basic gist of this movie is it's a our love main story. character. It's a love story. We have Rick Blaine played by the incomparable Humphrey Bogart for his third appearance on Two Dudes One Double Feature. Richard's uh, pretending to smoke. <laughs> I'm Humphrey. Uh, so another podcast with this guy. <laughs> oh man but Bo- bogey this is probably his definitive role like if you ask most people if they ask seen one bogart movie it's this one and this is the one i've heard of a, the most i think he is uh he's very cynical and neutral okay he's very much what america was bogart plays rick blaine he's a, a cynical cynical guy who's sort of a representation of america at one point where he's neutral he stays out of people's business. He doesn't interfere with what the Nazis do. He doesn't fe- interfere with other what the freedom fighters are doing. He just doesn't like any conflict in his bar. He's like he's like that one kid in that robot chicken sketch. It's now my problem. Dump the drink over. <sighs> now it's my problem. <laughs> yep, that's bogey. <laughs> but you know, and so all, all that's all that's fine until, um, you know, until Victor Laszlo played by Paul Hanreid, arrives with his wife! <laughs> My wife is his in this wife, bar! <laughs> his wife, Ilsa, uh, played by Ingrid Bergman, and Mwah. apparently, as it as it always happens, um, <laughs> Rick and Ilsa had, a, had a, uh, a love thing going on in France. You know, you know a little, little bit... You know, just before the Nazis um, invaded, a little bit of so, la, 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 you know, just a little bit, yeah, a little, little, <laughs> little bit, but but really, the big thing that other big thing that happens, there's a MacGuffin where these uh, letters of transit that let anybody who wants to get out of Casablanca, they can get out of Casablanca, and everybody wants these, especially Victor Laszlo, because Victor Laszlo is a freedom fighter. You know, he's a very important part of the resistance. Um, you know, he's a guy everybody respects. He is a goddamn hero, you know. He's a good dude. And, he's a very good dude. Yeah, and that's the that's one of the things I like about this love triangle. Because there's so many times where, like, there's one part of the love triangle where the guy is just an asshole. Yeah. And is, like, really boring at, or just whatever. But Paul like, Henry... I, I hate him. <laughs> Paul Henry, I think, is kind of underrated um, as Victor Laszlo. Um, I think he gives him great strength, but also, like... You're able to like he he clearly loves Ilsa, but it's also a case of like you just really like Ilsa and Rick. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's so true. You know, it's it's like that. It's like that scenario of like you really want that chocolate chip cookie, but you know it's not healthy for you, mm-hmm. so you shouldn't eat it. You shouldn't eat the chocolate chip cookie, but oh, you want it. All the gooey, ooey, chocolatey goodness, but you know if you eat that, it's diabetes. Yeah. So that's exactly what this is. Because like, I first wa- I'm first watching this, and I I'm clearly like, I ah, screw this guy. He's probably going to be a jerk anyway. And I'm like, damn, he's actually really likable. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love the bit when um the Nazis are like singing their their pride song or whatever. Oh, yes. And then and then Victor Laszlo's like, no, fuck that shit. <laughs> you know, verbatim those exact words. <laughs> and uh that's the best line of the whole movie 
he, he goes up, he just stands on a table and go, fuck that shit. <laughs> this is the, this is like my favorite scene in the movie where I, I sometimes I get tears from this scene. The, the Mart, the, uh, the battle of the anthems that mm. occurs right before Rick's bar is shut down. It's, where it's the not, the not, yeah, it's like a battle like, of the bands. Basically. But, but it's also meaningful because a lot of the people who worked on Casablanca as extras and actors were refugees from Europe yeah. from this time period. So there was a lot of genuine emotion going on that you don't always get from a movie. So it has that raw, you know, it has that feeling like whenever I see it, it's just like, wow, I'm not French at all. And we all know how I felt about the French guy <laughs> in the Matrix movies. Joey has his just Joey. I just speaking of that, Joey. I know you were saying earlier you you were thinking about watching Titan. It's a French movie. Just just to let you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that scene that scene is so great. Um, it's also a movie that's aged well because its ba- its premise is well, Nazis are bad. Yes, and you know, and, and they that, are. Makes, I, oh, I was watching. Sound of Music recently, which is another great movie, um, but also it's with crazy Nazis. that's like well, also with Nazis, but it's like you think, okay, yeah, sure, you got to be against the Nazis, but it's like now you're just like, oh man, these are like, oh, oh, so that's not the default, oh, uh, <laughs> and then but then like Christopher Plummer rips the Nazi flag, and you're like, okay, like thank it, you, <laughs> it's 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 just kind of crazy, um, you know. Especially when, because we talk a lot about old movies that don't age well, and I think it's, Casablanca's... It's, it's nice when they do. Casablanca has aged like a fine wine ah. in many respects. Um, it is it is so good. And I, I know we, we, we're jumping around here, but like, I, I, I'm just like, just, bo- like, Ingrid Bergman, like, not to just sound like this, this is a total pig, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a woman look more beautiful in a movie, like... She, like she is beautifully shot in this movie. It's a it's a compliment on the cinematography. Yes, that. Yes, I got you. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> the the lighting and the shadows and the camera work. Come on, and she's she's uh, cutie. But the camera work. Uh, Arthur Edson. Um, did the cinematography work? Did you mention, mention Peter Lorre? Oh yes, you despise me, don't you, Richard? <laughs> He's in the. Oh my god. Okay, can I? Just, I got my Peter Lorre rant. Oh yes, my I was one, this. my one little gripe I have with this movie. So like, I know Peter Lorre's in it. I know Conrad Veidt's in it, and I know Humphrey Bogart's in it, and Ingrid Bergman. I know all these like prime time all star actors of that century are there. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what they do. And especially Peter Lorre, because that's, you know, Peter Lorre's great. That's probably the one amongst the group outside of Conrad Vine I have most history with. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so he's in the movie, and then he leaves. And I literally turn to Joe, and I'm like, they Brian Cranston Peter Lorre! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just freaking Peter Lorre going... Oh, my wife died because of that nuclear explosion. And now you want me to help you with big monsters? Oh, I'm dead. Goodbye. I I think you're mixing up the films of Michael Curtiz with the films of Gareth Edwards. Joey, Joey, I died. I died. We were only 30 minutes into this movie. Uh. (laughs) But but it's also funny. I mean, it also just shows like 
casting and stuff because Dooley Wilson, who plays Sam, you know, the piano player at the bar, he has a much more prom- he has a arguably much more prominent role than Peter Laurie does, and he's not obviously because the time he's not as highly billed yeah. in the movie. It's man, I would have liked more Peter Laurie, but you know what? While he was around, he made it count. He's he's memorable. I I love I love what he says. Like you know, I don't mind a par. I love Bogart says to him. I don't mind a parasite. I object to a cut rate one. <laughs> I just like I was like when he's getting taken away, and all I can think of is like the impression of Peter Lorre that people do. It's like, but we're friends, Rick. Rick. <laughs> Rick. Rick, hide me. You must do something. Help me, Rick. Rick. <laughs> it's it's like. It's like in in Dark Knight Rises when Christian Bale yells, "Where's the trigger?" and it just turns into like the exact impression people do of his voice. Yes, it's like <laughs> if you want to have it encapsulated in one scene, there it is. That like that's where every Peter Lorre impression ever comes from. <laughs> um, but Peter Lorre's great. Sydney Greenstreet, um, you know who we remember from Maltese Falcon, the big who's, guy. He's got. He's the big dude. Uh, you know, always trying to always trying to buy Rick's. You know. Um, and he's, he's, he is a piece of shit, but he, but he's just entertaining. <laughs> he's entertainingly played by Sydney Greenstreet. I, I love that every old movie you've shown me so far with like uh, a rich dude. That's a piece of shit. It's just a big fat, like white haired old guy. I'm like, at least there was some consistency with the old movies versus <laughs> today. And when we perceive, like, obviously you see like all these rich, uh, rich guys and it's like, you know, freaking you know, Elon Musk looks like he's trying to be Superman. <laughs> and then um jeffrey bezos is trying to be professor x but secretly we know deep down inside of them they're just fat rich rich dudes with white slick back hair <laughs> yes 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 um there's so many actors um the one one i have to mention before we talk a little bit more about um bogey is claude rains mm, the invisible man the invisible man um lon cheney's Junior's dad in the Wolfman. I also love that uh, Conrad Veidt and Claude Rains are both in this movie because they're both inspirations for the Joker. <laughs> One's a visual representation for the comic, and the other one was where Mark Hamill got his Joker voice. Oh, so I okay. think I, I think I might have talked about that in the second you episode. Might have. You might have. So re-listen to that. Lots one. of Joker in this movie. No Joaquin though. But he's a corrupt official, you know. He's like a diet Nazi. He's like, kind of a diet Nazi, but he might be he, my favorite character. He is probably he probably is gives the best performance of the movie. He has the best some of the best lines uh, in the Without movie. A doubt. I, I love when he's closing up Rick's Rick's place. He's just like I'm shocked, shocked to find all the gambling going on here. <laughs> and Emil, it's like you're winning, sir. Oh yes, thank you. <laughs> and, and, or he's like he's just like make it ten. I'm only a poor corrupt official. I, I have my boundaries. <laughs> <laughs> or, of course, the the line that he says at the end, round up the usual suspects. So, And then that inspired a really shitty person to make a movie that's getting a 4K release, starring another really shitty person. <sighs> I'm sorry, Richard. But Claude Rains is, anyway. is, fan- <laughs> is, is fantastic. He's also, like, you're, you look at his character, and it's one of those cases where, like, he's totally gay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, like when we talked about Jojo Rabbit, it, like Sam Rockwell makes me think of Claude Rains. Mm. I could see that, yeah. Except, um, uh, Sam Rockwell's more obviously gay. Yes. Um, 
and then of course just i'm trying to think, i don't think i missed any of the major performers in this movie um bogart we have to talk about a little bit more about him because mm. this was this was the performance that defined his career it was his first oscar nomination for lead actor he didn't win he didn't win no uh he lost actually to another uh two dudes alum paul lucas paul lucas being professor aranax from Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea oh he won he won for watch on the rhine which is a movie I've never seen, but I think it has Betty Davis in it. And I wanted to see it for a long time because I want to be like, okay. All right, I, I can understand it now. I, I, I want to be able to, because Bogart here, it's not even just like it's about a great performance. It's just iconic. Like I think about this, the scene after he has that conversation with Laszlo, after he says, destiny has taken a hand. And when he's like smoking the cigarette and it's just such a, just it just burnt in my brain, mm-hmm. you know. That that image of him when he before he says the classic like you know all the gin joint and all the talent like mm-hmm. that line like that is the Humphrey Bogart I always think of. Mm-hmm. Like when you describe yes. Humphrey Bogart, I picture like that's why I, when I was miming earlier while I have a cigarette, I'm just like sad, <laughs> but like yeah. I'm not like obviously sad. I'm like kind of like mad, but like drunk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess. Um, but. I love, and this was definitely the, the the movie. This wasn't my first Bogart movie, but it was definitely the movie that made me fall in love with the works of Humphrey Bogart. It's much. It's a much better. It's it's great that we followed up Sierra Madre with this. You know, I feel like you get the the Bogart spectrum. Like at one end <laughs> is Rick Blaine, who is a is like a cynical guy, but he's really a softy. In the middle, you got Sam Spade, who's kind of a dick. You know, and then you, and then you have Dobbs, who's just Dobbs, who's just. <laughs> awful he's just awful a person. piece of shit and you're like you know what boat this is why people like bogey because he he can go he can go the range i've i but it was funny because like we were watching the movie i'm like has he ever smiled before <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to the flashbacks i'm like oh he's smiling <laughs> but it's but it's also great too because like this movie i feel like has so many like different genre things like i i think about like noir when the flashbacks happen like because you like if because i remember like I don't know if you were thinking this, but I was thinking that you were thinking that, like, she's going to be, like, a femme fatale type. Um, Bergman comes also. off a bit, especially with the way she's lit, is pretty femme fatale Yeah. But yes. but she kind of, like, she kind of had it, but not... Not to, not to the extent where she's, like, a bad guy. Like, the closest she has, she has the gun, which, funny story about that. So, I did get to see this on the big screen once at a local movie theater. They had, like, a DVD copy they just put in and they put it on the projector. The gun was cut off from the from the pictures, so people were whispering in the theater, "Where's the gun? I can't see it." You know, but uh, it's just I, I think about so many like just different lines and different shots. I think about uh, one of my favorite lines from her is like, "You knew, you know how much I loved you, how much I still love you," and it's just it's devastating. You know, it's devastating for both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, just the scene where she comes into the bar after hours, and she's just like, "Was there others? But were there others in between, Laszlo? Or aren't you the kind that tells?" You know, paraphrasing. It's uh, the whole romance factor. Like, is again like when I was asking you to describe this movie to me, because I guess I kind of knew it was a romance, but I didn't know to like to what extent it was a romance. But like, it is like. To all, for all intents and purposes of the word, it is romantic. Yes, it is. It is probably one of the great, one of the great romantic movies of all time. Um, just no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I'm thinking about other elements. As time goes by, we have to mention. Because it was a song before Casablanca, but you can't think about As Time Goes By without Casablanca. A lot like a little song from another movie we watched. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to hum it. <laughs> um, it is raining no, but, outside, though. But it, it's one of those songs where, like, it, it, it's so, it's just so connected with the movie. And it's, um, like, they almost were going to do the movie without it. They were going to do reshoots. Because mm-hmm. Max Steiner, the composer who did this King Kong, Gone with the Wind, a lot of great Hollywood scores... He wanted to do a new song, but Bergman was already moved on to another role, and she had cut her hair for that role, so they couldn't do any of the reshoots for Casablanca. So we got, as time goes by, um, uh, briefly mentioned Michael Curtiz. Uh, there's a documentary, I think Steven Spielberg like gets interviewed in this documentary, Michael Curtiz, the best director you've never heard of. And I have a feeling that if I showed you a bunch of Michael Curtiz movies, you'd probably get into them. Because he, he directed this, and then he came in as the director um, later on for The Adventures of Robin Hood. With Errol okay. Flynn, which is one of the great like tech, Technicolor like action movies, it's a lot of fun. Especially the climax um, of that movie is really awesome. That's one I'm surprised we haven't like. You haven't. I mean, you've mentioned it, but I don't, you haven't like campaigned for it. At least not as much as this one. <laughs> this one I really had to like. Mm. You know, as much as I love the Adventures of Robin Hood, it's definitely one of my favorite movies of that kind. Casablanca is just one of the greatest movies. Period. Especially one of the greatest American movies of all time. I mean, this is one of the few Best Picture winners where you're like, I get that it. Sense that makes sense. It's a be- it got Best Director. It got Best uh, Best Adapted Screenplay at the Oscars um, uh, on the AFI's list of the greatest movies of all time. It was number two. That it, on the 10th anniversary went to number three. But that but that company is Citizen Kane and The Godfather. So it's like, yeah. And it's, like, it's good company. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's, yeah. it's, pretty, it, it's pretty good company to be around. Um, and it's just a, it's just a fabulous, um, it's a fabulous movie. Um, we were talking about the cinematography earlier, but <laughs> yeah, I we were dream like quality. <laughs> yes, we were, uh, like the, the cinematography in a lot of areas. Like I, I think about like any of the shots where they're leaving Rick's and you have like the plane searchlight that's constantly, you know, going constantly on circling, constantly it, going on. It makes Casablanca feel like a character in the movie a little bit. The way that the sort of the because it could have just been like the actual like place and it could just been like okay, but like they like it, they fancified it a little bit. It's actually funny because I remember I was watching William Friedkin talk about how he visited Casablanca. And he's like, it's the most dull city I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they needed a Ricks. That's why they needed that why they needed Rick's. Um you know, but it's it's a great I'm glad you enjoyed this one. Um real this cause it, it is such a treasure of Hollywood. And it was one of the first twenty five movies to get into the National Film Registry in nineteen eighty nine. I believe it. Like it d- deservedly so, you know. Sorry. You caught me in a rough spot. I was eating chicken again. No, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um I really did yeah. like it. I, again, so sorry, with this one, it was really, like, um, going into it, because, like, all the other old movies I'd heard of, I knew about, some of them, mostly just because you talk about them, um, but a lot, like, this one I knew of well before ever sitting and watching it, and I've always wanted to watch it, 
and it's and it really it's got all the best things that you want in a movie but also like from a modern viewer's standpoint thankfully so much about it um save like there's some things that maybe have aged a little bit maybe like the black character for example maybe coming off too stereotypical but um at the same time like so much about it feels timeless so much about it is very universal it's a love story right. um it's it's got great dialogue it's very funny like you you get it when you watch it's one of those few movies that you get why people love it so much mm-hmm. and because you know i i can get pretty skeptical with older movies just you know that that especially ones that are like propped up on a pedestal but like with this one you you go that's why it's there okay mm-hmm. you can stay there Yes, so that makes me very happy that we um, avoided disaster, <laughs> unlike unlike the titular boat in our next film. Stay tuned. I'm sinking! Delicious! These destined the crustaceans of the audacity to call this rubbish tip a luxury seagoing vessel. My foot! This place is simply crawling with street urchins. One side, good man! Sorry! What's your name, you blubbering boil, you? Sailor John, sir! Private first class aboard the RMS Titanic, sir! I'm in an awful hurry, sir! Bye! Wait! Wait! Come back here and apologize properly! Hurry! Servants these days can't be bothered to grab off for forgiveness, I suppose. I see. Sir Hugo, Sir Hugo Frozenberg, do my eyes deceive me? What, what, what? Who goes there? Frozenberg, old chap, don't you recognize me? You do look quite familiar. Did I meet you at Lady Donahue's garden party on the 19th April last? No. Then this is embarrassing. Did we meet in Paris? No. Paris, Texas? No. Did we meet in Bedfordshire? No. The foothills in Provence? Let me think. Provence, France? Uh, No. Perhaps we met in Carroll? Not likely. Carroll, 1910? I was in Surrey in 1910. Yes, Carroll's out of the question then. See so, Dear me, no. Oxfordshire! Getting warmer? Oxford? Bingo, old chum. Oxford, class of old five. Ra, ra, ra. Yes, yes, Oxford. How silly of me. Now for the neum. See, class of old five. Reggie Collingsgood? No. Oliver Woodsbury? No. Clifford Oxbury? No, old man. He was class of old six. What? What? I remember. Did we think? Apollo, old man, I can't seem to place you. Chauncey. Chauncey Chips, old man. Chauncey Chips? How are you, old man? Imagine bumping into you aboard the RMS Titanic. What a lark! Speaking of locks, dear boy, why don't you follow me to my table? You simply must try some of this caviar. Don't mind if I do, old man. I'm perched. Only one thing for it, dear boy. A caviar and a cracker. Here you are, Frozenberg. Eat up, pip-pip. Delicious! Simply delicious! 
Finally, a bit of refinement aboard this floating potter potty. Like another? Send it over. Righto. Goodness gracious, what a horrible noise. It's making it difficult to focus on this exquisite calendar. Everyone, the ship is sinking. Run for your lives. Gracious. Keep this racket down, you bottom feeder! Can't you see my associates and I are trying to enjoy this? Here we are! Crumbs! This caviar is cracking, ale bean. Right, you are Chelsea! Cracking caviar! Excuse me, sirs! We have to evacuate the ship! We're sinking! Oh, go away, you dirty little thing, you. Go bother someone who's not busy tucking into this delicious caviar. Okay, if you say so. Yes, at last, old chap. I say, I've never seen peasants escape so quickly. The dining room is silent as a tomb. Just the way I like it, old bean. Pass me over more of that exquisite caviar, dear boy. Here you are. I say, this water is absolutely ice cold. Why'd they have to sail this stinking barge in the dead winter? Bloody inconvenient! Sinking in freezing cold water, I say! Here, here. Oh dear. What is it, old bean? We've run out of caviar. Gasso! Gasso! I say we need more caviar! Gasso! Where did that boy run off to? Oh bother. Won't do us any good now anyway. The water's rising rapidly now. Shall we swim for our lives, Frozenberg? Gentlemen first, old man. Righto! Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about a movie I actually liked. Joey, it's an old movie I didn't have an issue with. I mean, this, but, I mean it's a wonderful life you didn't have much issue with. This is true. It doesn't have it often, but it's great when it happens. It is great when it happens. Um, now we're moving on to a movie I am very familiar with. A movie a lot of people might be familiar with. Now, I talked, to, I talked earlier in the last one about trying to figure out what to pair it with. And so when Joey was talking to me about Casablanca, he was describing it as like, it's a romance and you know, it's set during world war two, but it was also filmed during there. So I was like, so it's kind of a romance set during a historical sort of tragic moment. And he's like, kind of, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe with some, you know, things, but yeah, kind of. And it's got a lot of quotable lines. It, it won some awards. It's, it's a much-beloved movie. And I'm like, oh, you know what this makes me think of? <laughs> and 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 to a certain extent, I think he could, he could tell what I was saying. I don't know if we initially like suggested it on the day we were talking about this or if it was later, but I know eventually it came to be going, this is kind of a perfect one. Uh, and I didn't know how excited Joey would be for it, but I was like, um, 
we're gonna we're gonna pair this with the 1997 um, James Cameron directed film, one of the biggest movies of all time. At one point, the biggest movie of all time, Titanic. <laughs> Celine Dion, what are you doing here? Two <laughs> dudes, one down the future, and I know that this show won't stop going. <laughs> I'm gonna eat some chicken in my sleep. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, that was that was the. That, that was the KFC promotion that Slee Dion was doing at the time of James Cameron's Titanic. A very controversial, bold move that might have propelled the movie to gross nearly $2 billion in its initial release. They didn't believe in it, though. Listen to Celine. She knows what she's talking about. So Titanic, though. <laughs> listen, and, and we both have histories with this movie, mm-hmm. I think, that are different histories, but I also think uh, are compelling. What was... Uh... What's uh, your history with this one? Well, my history of this one goes back to my dad. Um, he was, uh, to put it mildly, a <laughs> Titanic... Sorry. Chicken went down my throat. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Please talk about it. All right. So, uh, it, makes, it goes back to my dad, because my dad, to put it mildly, was a Titanic enthusiast. He had models of the Titanic. Like, you... Like, you think there would just be, like, a handful of books? No, there's... He probably had every book that there ever was written up to that point about the Titanic. He had A Night to Remember. If it VHS. said Titanic on it, it he mm-hmm. would just... Yeah. And and this was before and before James Cameron's film. So, like, he was... Um, uh, he's not a fake fan. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you said this, too, when you were explaining it or when before we watched the movie. I was like... It's like so. What you're saying to me is your dad is a hipster. <laughs> like the, the uh, like the way you and I are like with like I'm with King Kong. You're with Batman. I'm at. He was with Titanic. You know, as far as I could tell. So, um, I'm I was very familiar with the tragedy of the Titanic. It always freaked me out as a kid, and just the idea that like because I always went. I you know as a kid I went to Disney World, went on a plane. I never went on like a cruise ship or anything like that, but like think the idea of like a tra- like a transportation thing like that could go so disastrously wrong, especially when they were so certain. Yeah, they were so certain it was going to be fine, but nah. Like here they are having to deal with uh, this iceberg that unfortunately sinks the ship. Uh, so th- your first experience with this was with your dad, and just the story itself. Do you remember the first time you watched the movie? Probably on TV at some point at, like, my Cause, house. Because you were, like, because it's 97, so you were probably, like, what? Four years old at that point. Um, my brother was literally born that year. You Happy know, birthday, so, Mike. Um, I remember, like, my heart will go on, because, I mean, it was everywhere, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, so. But I didn't see it till a couple years later after the release. And then my last time I watched this was probably close to a decade ago on VHS. I watched mm-hmm. it on VHS, and I also want to note too. Um, I did a thing when I when I did college radio called Functional Films, where I poked fun at older movies. And Titanic, it was one of those where I really ripped Titanic a new one. And <laughs> while I'm proud of the audio work I did on that one, I kind of regret making it. Yeah, I can understand that. But 
you know, it's what it's, it is. It's 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 the you know, it's like with Avatar. It was there was a point it was kind of the popular thing to sort of rip on that one too. Yes, and I, we'll, I very much was in that fold. We'll get to more of that later too, because I think there's an interesting thing to be uh, talked about with that. But let's get with your um, with your history with the film. Well, this was '97, so I was my focus was on um, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Clearly, um, I like the Taco Bell promotions and uh, all the toys and Uma Thurman. Mm. <laughs> you know, George Clooney. Yes. Um, I think I watched the movie One Fine Day because George Clooney and Michelle Pfeiffer were in it. And I was like, it's Batman and Catwoman. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a cute, charming little romance movie. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and it's got two great actors in it. So um, as far as this one was concerned, like, you know, I didn't want to watch it because it was a romance. It was icky. Right. You know, like, I, I am adamant that I did not see it in theaters. But apparently my parents think my, I did. Okay. But I'm hundred. I'm almost hundred percent sure that I stayed home with my grandmother, who was I think at the time she was. I don't know if she was living with us, or if she was just at her house for a little while. Right. Um. We we had various moments where like people would be in and out of our house. Like my cousin lived here in in the house for a, a short while when he was thinking about moving up here instead of living in Cincinnati and. That during that time was the first time I watched a Guillermo del Toro movie. So it was Blade Two, Salt and Theaters. Oh well, okay. Um, not that it's related, but there you go. But I didn't see Titanic in theaters. I don't. I don't believe. I get. I could be wrong because again, I was so young and I could possibly not remember. But I just don't think I did. Mm. Um, but when we got the VHS, that's when I watched it the most. Yeah, and I think I really sunk my teeth into it when I we got a DVD player. Because mm. we didn't have like a DVD player, like a like a traditional one. Because uh, I had gotten a, a, this really nice desktop that I would go on all the time. I go on all the websites. I'd play all the Cartoon Network games for all the shows yes. that they had on the websites. Yes. Oh, so fun! <clears throat> and um, I also like did a lot of like educational games because um, it was like an alternative to summer school. Because I didn't want to go to summer school, so I had to make sure I did these computer games just so I can like you know progress in my grade sure and they allowed it so that was nice this was also during a time my parents were like trying to discipline me and it, it didn't work because i'm a brat <laughs> i'll fully admit that i was terrible but no like i i remember the first dvd i purchased because there was a dvd player on that desktop computer was titanic <clears throat> and so i would watch it consistently like I would watch, I would mostly watch because like, you know, I didn't want to watch the icky romance part. I wanted to watch like the boat was sinking. Mm -hmm. I wanted to watch like, you know, the thrill of like, you know, people crashing into stuff and like people like going, oh, save the children. Yes. Like I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and then of course, this was also during a time, and I'm only saying this because I know for a fact so many other people are in the similar mindset, but um. This is also during the, the sort of um, puberty years <laughs> when, uh, you know, uh, Naked Ladies was a thing that I enjoyed quite a bit. Not that I don't enjoy it now, but, like, you know, it was definitely a focus. Right. And uh, this is the most open I think I've ever been on the show. <laughs> 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 and so, like, like many others, I, I – because I, it was on DVD, so I think I had more control over, like, the, the pausing and the rewind. Yes, yes. So – point i'm trying to make is that i watched the drawing scene a lot <laughs> um that was me but with um uh the mask of zorro if you know you know what scene mm-hmm. i'm talking about mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, the sword know. fight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so... And it was... And to this day, it's such a shocking thing to think... Granted, and there's so many movies, too, you can watch that came out well before it where there is, like, f- nudity mm-hmm. in the movie. And so it's still just sort of weird to think from, like, a my generation's perspective. Like, Titanic was PG-13. We weren't supposed to see a boob. Right. But you see a boob. Mm-hmm. Like, James Cameron got away with a boob but again that's a whole conversation about like the mpaa and the sort of hypocrisy of it and just what is okay what isn't okay and you know again for any any conversations on that i direct people to that great documentary we've talked about it before on the show uh the um this movie's not yet rated that's a great documentary it's a fantastic documentary they they might have even mentioned titanic at one point that would that would make sense yeah just because because again, it is like, especially from a modern perspective, it's shocking that a movie was able to get a PG thirteen rating in a time when PG thirteen had become more prominent. Whereas, like in like the sort of mid to late eighties, it was sort of like coming in to like fruition. Yet there were still movies that you could categorize as PG thirteen to get a PG rating. Right. And so then going into this, like this is well into the nineties, going into the new millennium, and yet here's this eleven Oscar winning movie from a primetime director. Um that is able to get a pass and get a PG-13 rating still, yet it has one Uno single boobé. Boobé. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, um, but it's 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 just... It, that that in itself is an interesting conversation, but um, no, I, I definitely... I, I think with this one, I, I would grow to love it, but it was kind of a secret thing because you didn't want anyone to know, like, I actually liked the romance stuff. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I like Jack and I liked Rose and yeah, obviously, you know, it was very tantalizing with the, you know, the, the car scene and the drawing scene, but like you did, you, you kind of wanted them to get together. Like I still, to this day, I still watch the movie and I'm like, I, I hope, I, I hope Jack doesn't die. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hope he lives. Nope. <laughs> um, and I even, I was talking to Joe when we were watching the movie, I was talking about how this movie, like became such a thing that there was a point when uh as a kid like me and a bunch of my classmates went to the playground and we went into this like um like it was like the top of a slide essentially like that sort of area like Mm -hmm. in the like jungle gym area or whatever we pretended that was titanic and we all just were like screaming ah yeah (laughs) and like we're like women and children first so like all the all the girls were like going off the slide some people are actually like jumping off of it so i'm sure a teacher was like (laughs) oh no yeah (laughs) please don't yeah Uh so like to those people to to any teacher that was there that day i apologize (laughs) that all these kids were reenacting a (laughs) a historical tragedy because of a damn movie (laughs) (laughs) but um no like this this is definitely a movie that at this point in my life i'm just like i love this movie i don't i don't care it's got everything you want in a movie it's it's like any movie that has that sort of prestigious like overloved factor that people just sort of like downplay it it's like like we've we talked about that before and so now i'm just like i don't give crap titanic's awesome (laughs) like i feel like this and avatar fall into the category of overhated yes i i think i think overhated needs to overtake overrated a little bit because overrated is overrated it's a cycle where it's just like it becomes popular people become like you know annoyed with it comes overrated and then it gets to a point where people there are people who still like uh, speaking back to batman and robin there are people who still talk about the bat nipples as if that's like the worst thing that happened to human civilization listen to those people i'm gonna say this that we can go back to titanic um 
you think that's the worst thing that's ever happened in cinema? Have you not seen Birth of a Nation? <laughs> I, I hope you haven't. <laughs> Please don't watch it. Please have don't you, watch it. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you had to deal with the Justice League uh, Whedon cut? <laughs> Which oh, is, <laughs> is its own beast. <laughs> you know, I never thought, like 10 years ago, I never would have thought I would have heard D.W. Griffith and Joss Whedon's films in the same sentence. There you go. First time for everything. <laughs> it just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Point is, nipples, nipples are nipples. Okay, it's what it is. You know what? Maybe, maybe if uh, Schumacher got his way, he could have t- turned the nipples into like a grappling hook. Right. <laughs> like I would have been like hell yeah. <laughs> Batman just like being lifted up like this. <laughs> like, like he's a like he's a like he's a pop star. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Going into the sky. Um Matt Reeves, let's make Robert Pattinson do that. <laughs> anyway. Um yeah. So Titanic. Um yeah, this is this is one that I, I've I've watched so many times. Mm-hmm. Um so the general premise that we're working with on this one is um if you don't know the story of Titanic, I think that's kind of a running joke too, is like, you know, when you talk about spoilers, people are like Oh, someone spoiled Titanic for me. Assholes. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it's like, obviously, it's based around the, the tragic story of the RMS Titanic, um, which at the time, in 1912, was considered, like, the grandest ship ever. It was a technical marvel. You know, it was a feat of, you know, man-made engineering, and it had all the, like, best stuff. At, and it was and it was deemed unsinkable. Like, that was the big thing about it, was that it was considered the unsinkable ship that was Titanic. And because of that, it was just so ironic and so tragic at the same time that it just so happened to have one of the most, like, tragic sinkings. And and it was all just like the ship is man-made. The sinking, in a lot of respects, was also kind of man-made. The, co- the overconfidence, if you will. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so um, it hits an iceberg. It just like it almost just narrowly gets away, but yeah, what you what you have to remember about icebergs is that for what you see on the surface, that's not near what you're looking at. No, yeah, it's like when you see an ice clue, an ice cube floating in a glass of water. You know, you're only seeing so much poking out of the surface of the water, but the rest of the ice cubes underneath. That's essentially where an iceberg is. If you don't know that, yeah. So. And the ship being as huge and as wide as it is, it, it turns, but it scrapes so much to the point where it completely obliterates the side of it to a certain extent with just the how heavy the scratches were and penetrating inside of the hull. <clears throat> and, en- and enough penetration into the hull happened that it caused the water to rise and eventually through a like two, three hour time period, the boat eventually sank and thousands of people died. If you're morbidly curious about it, there's a great, like, almost three-hour video, mm-hmm. like, detailing the whole thing. But it's it's definitely hard to watch, obviously, just thinking about that. Because, um, like, it's a digital representation, but, like, you when you watch it, you start thinking about it, yeah. too. And you start thinking about, like, there's so many people on the boat. There's so many people that went through the like, the whole situation. And so it's, it, 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 is very, it is very hard to watch. It's just crazy because... The story of the Titanic, it feels, it feels too, it, it feels like such a, like a, like a fictional story. And what do you think? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like there's so many things. It's made in voyage. The captain of the ship was on his last 
job. <laughs> there was a, a book. I think there was like a book they talked about a couple years ri- written oh, like a while earlier about a ship that matches pretty identically to the Titanic that sinks on its maiden voyage. There's so much around it where you're like, this has to be too, this is too good, this is too bad to be, this is too good to be true, for lack of a better term. And and even, like, from just a modern standpoint, the fact that this movie exists and because of how big it got, that in itself, like, when you think of Titanic, you're thinking about the movie. Like, we're, mm-hmm. like even if we were just, like, a history podcast and we were talking about the Titanic itself, the actual RMS Titanic, guaranteed you'll think about Leo, Kate Winslet, Celine Dion. Yes. Like, there's no question whatsoever that that's the first thing that pops into your mind. Even if you've never seen the movie. I, that's yeah. right. I, like, it's it just got to that point where it just... you. It's hard, it's hard to see it in its historical context, but when you do, that's when things start being more meaningful and more, like, you feel differently about it. Mm-hmm. There's just so much about this movie that works, and I was amazed, like how much of it does because we've seen there's so many movies out there that are like that try to do the disaster thing and mm-hmm. a historical thing and they just they're just not good especially like 9-11 movies 9-11 movies yep which they made so many 9-11 movies after 9-11 happened like world trade center united 93 you know all types of different things and it just doesn't it like they they probably wanted to try to capture like a titan it doesn't right yeah so well, this one, I mean, the difference is the Titanic is such a different kind of tragedy. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. It's a different kind of tragedy, but also it happened <clears throat> so long ago that well, as we're talking today, there's no more survivors of the Titanic. Like I think the last survivors died like 15 years ago or something crazy mm-hmm. like that. I was actually watching a video because, like, I think when I first picked up Titanic on Blu-ray, like the very first time I ever bought it on Blu-ray. I just watched um, survivors and clips talk about it, and uh, I was so curious, like if any of them had a chance to watch Titanic. And apparently, like at the time, only two people were yeah. actually alive, and one guy watched it. The other, the other didn't watch it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the two people watched it and cried, yeah. as as they should, because yep. you know, because it is what it is. James Cameron obviously became like so obsessed with 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 the sinking and like he like james cameron goes hard for everything (laughs) yes um but um but along with the the tragedy of the boat um this movie um puts at the forefront like the first one does a romance yes a romance it's it's a yeah you heard that right you manly dudes love Mm -hmm. smoochy smooches you got a problem with it you got a problem with a smoochy smooch? I, I don't. I don't know why I'm getting hostile. I apologize. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Where did that come from? Smoochy smooch. <laughs> anyway, I mean, there's a love story, of course, but it's a classic, you know, classic sort of love story. You got the rich Goyle, okay, and and the paw boy, the paw boy, <laughs> the paw boy. Who, um, half the time we were thinking, watching this, like, if this was made today, that's Timothy Chalamet. I'm sorry. Yeah, Tim- they, they put Timothy <laughs> Chalamet, and that character becomes, like, 3,000% less, like, and we enjoy Timothy Chalamet, but we just don't believe that he could play No. That. No. He, like, nothing, like, until proven wrong, T- Timothy Chalamet does not have the charm of a Jack Dawson. You know what I mean? 
It's like he would just be like a giggly like little kid, just be like, "Oh, pretty lady, don't jump off the boat, lady." Ooh. Yeah, he'd be like passive aggressive. He like, you know, if you jumped off the boat, you know, maybe, maybe that'd be better for everybody else. I don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> that would the, be it, him. But it's really, it really is about the chemistry of those of those leads, honestly, mm. of, of Leo and Kate Winslet. Um, especially Kate Winslet is so good in this movie. I'm so glad that she's the focus. Yeah. Because I like, I think, cause obviously people talk a lot, especially at the time, young girls would always talk about Jack and, you know, like, Oh, Jack Johnson. Uh, and that's always been like, you know, whenever people talk about like, what if Titanic two existed? And it's like, Jack lives, mm-hmm. you know, like you could argue that Jack is probably the favorite, but Kate Winslet and Rose, uh, Dewey Decatur, the, I'm just so glad that it's all from her, all from her perspective. And it's, it's very well written. She does a great job in the role. She's, she's incredibly memorable. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about Ingrid Bergman, who does, um, look beautiful because of that, that cinematography, man. (laughs) Yeah. Um, same with this on Kate Winslet. I love the cinematography. (laughs) Okay. I'm just going to say it. Kate Winslet's pretty. She's pretty. I'm sorry, but she's also a very good actor in the movie. She's no, she's she's really quite good. Um, y- you know, um, because there's just so much that like because she's also has to play this like society lady who doesn't want to be part of society. No, you know, high society. And you relate to I that be- a lot. I I have to believe that that she can, she's willing to get an axe to save this guy she's only known for a few days. And it's like. When you first meet her, like the whole time she's like, I hate all of this. I hate, I hate, I hate this dude that I'm being forced to marry. He's an asshole. I hate my mom. Who's like also kind of an asshole. You know, I, I want to, I, I, I appreciate art and I appreciate life and I, and I want, I want to have more freedom, but she's pushed down by, you know, high society and, and fucking standards which that that is uh encapsulated in the scene where she tightens the corset mm-hmm. and she's like rough with it and you're like god damn it whale shit <laughs> uh and but you you're you want you want her to have like i still like when when we get to the last scene in the movie and she has all those adventures like um when she talks about with jack who what jack wants her to have that like be that free spirit she wants to be um and so like she goes and she um goes horseback riding like they were talking about she flies a plane she models she does all these things she wants to do and you know it it, it, it you're, you're just so happy mm-hmm. and she's a she's an old lady you know when we first meet her and she has such a fulfilled life and she's so snarky and sassy in the best way yes like you like you love it you love it, and but and on that note, uh, we got to talk about because um, you know Kate Winslet's fantastic, but she's not the only Rose in this movie. Now, this is incredible because we talked about this woman in our our second episode, and we talked about Claude Rains in the first half of this episode. This is an Invisible Man reunion of sorts. Oh yeah, who is it, so, Joey? We're talking about Gloria Stewart, who IMDb is so interesting because they obviously highlight your four like most notable works for Gloria Stewart. It's Titanic, it's Invisible Man, and then, like, the old Dark House. It's like, you have, like, something for that, like, 
I know you, for a fact you have watched, and like everybody I know has watched, and then mm-hmm. something I'm like, I know you and I have watched, and then I know people have not watched Old Dark House, and then there's like <laughs> another movie. I even forget the name. I don't even know what the name of the movie is. Sounds fantastic, though. It sounds great. Probably good. And she was. And she was Oscar nominated um, for this role for supporting actress. Um, same as Kate. Same as Kate, and Kate was nominated. Yes, um, which is interesting because this recent Academy Awards, um, I think it was Olivia Coleman and um, another actress were nominated for the same film, playing the same character, playing different ages, of the same character. That's cool. Actually, um, so like it does. It, th- that is pretty rad. Um, but I, I just, I, I think one of my favorite scenes is where like they show the recreation, like sort of what we were talking about, the recreation of the sinking. Mm-hmm. And they it just and it kind of makes it like I said he was making makes you think of Citizen Cis- Kane. Yeah, they give you everything you like a, like a like a textbook thing you would tell you about Kane's life, but not really the kind of person that he was. Or yeah, what the nitty gritty like this this um you know we have the scene where like one of Bill Paxton's like cronies, if you will, yeah, is explaining to to Rose exactly what happened to the Titanic, and I love that she goes. That was a very forensic analysis, Mr. Bodine. But the experience was somewhat different. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, Mwah. Yes. And that that literally is the whole the whole thing is the experience of it versus like cause again, the movie's like, you probably know how this happened. You probably know even down to the fact that, you know, it splits. Some people say it didn't split. Some people said it splits. Um, you probably know like all the theories that people have, but again, the experience of it is so much more different, and that's that's what we sort of get with with this narrative. And it's crazy too because like it's funny to think like this movie is called Titanic. It's about Titanic, but the boat doesn't sink till like the the latter half of the movie. Yeah, are you okay? Yeah, sorry, I thought I heard something. No, you're good. Oh, I I got so nervous. Sorry. <laughs> do do you want who do who who do I'm beating up? No, you're, we're we're good. I will I will take down. I will come on. Who? No, no physical violence is <laughs> It's the fight of the century. <laughs> <laughs> but make no, it sound just... like a boxing double feature. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Rocky. I'm gonna kiss you. On this boat. Hey, hey, you know, I'm going to paint you like one of my French girls. You know what I mean? Uh, when I say that, I do mean a baguette that I was just eating right now. I'm yum yum. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I am Rocky Barret. Effect. <laughs> the cause and effect. I punch you in the face is the effect. The cause, I didn't like you. <laughs> that needs to be a sound bite. <laughs> 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 that was wonderful um uh, but no it's like i guess the point i was trying to make is like this movie puts so much on the romance aspect of it yes because it knows you already know what's gonna happen so it's like well let's let's build this sort of romantic story around it and right. so that when when the tragedy does happen it hits you mm-hmm. so like it's again it's feeling the tragedy versus just seeing it yeah and and that, that that's a it's, it's important and they they do so you know obviously because now pe- there are people who watch this movie and go was jack a real poison was oh Rome my god a real poison? <laughs> and, 
And and it's like, oh my god, there was a Jack Dawson on the Titanic. Oh my god. Do you think he was handsome? Was he from Chippewa Falls? <laughs> no. No, oh. Tatum. He was not. <laughs> he was just a random person who just so happened to be named Jack Dawson. Is he important to his family? Yes. <laughs> In the grand scheme of things, probably not. Um, this movie has a great cast, though, even just outside mm. of... Like, mm. okay, let, let me just... Uh, a couple people, right? A couple people. Victor Garber, okay? Mwah! Love him. L- love him. All right? It needs to be mentioned, uh, Billy Zane as... Uh, <laughs> such a shithead in this movie, but I love him. <laughs> such, such a shithead. He doesn't have a twirling mustache, but you know it's there. He's got a... He, spirit. He's, he's got his, like, his, 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 his waterfall, like, 90s hair that he swirls. David Warner as Lovejoy, as, as the manservant, who's mm. great in everything. I don't think I've ever seen a bad performance. He is always good. So good. He was Van Helsing for one episode of Penny Dreadfall. And I also like to mention he was the Archmage on Gargoyles. So good. And he's got such a great voice. Such a great voice. But also, more importantly than any of these people, okay? This is relevant this is... for my mother, uh, my Aunt Mary, <laughs> and uh, Allison's mom. Shout out to Diane. Eric I don't know Braden. you, but I don't know you, but Diane, you sound nice. She's a very nice lady. But Eric Braden, um, is, who's, a stu- who's an actor who's still working today, he Good on you. Uh, is he plays Victor Newman on the long-running uh, hit soap opera, The Young and the Restless, okay? I know who this man is. <laughs> he was also in Escape from the Planet of the Apes as Dr. Hasline, who is a character that is thrown in a throwaway line in the first movie. And, and in this and- movie... Oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. You go ahead. No, 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 no. I'll let you, 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 you can take out the honors. For this movie. And in this movie, he's got one magical moment where he, uh, he or Jack Dawson, in, uh, during the dinner scene when he's all dolled up, goes up to him, and he's like, are you of the Boston Dawsons? No, the Chippewa Falls Dawsons, actually. Oh, yes. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> we see him maybe once or twice, but that's it. Yeah, he plays uh, John Jacob Astor the Fourth. You know, who's a, who's a notable notable passenger on the Titanic. There were a lot of notable people on this boat, mm-hmm. and none of them were Rose DeWitt Decatur or Jack Dawson. No, even though there was a character, or sorry, a person, an actual person named Jack Dawson on the boat, but it's not Leo. <laughs> Which can we talk about Leo for a second? Sure. He's, you know, he's he he's arguably like the most quote unquote iconic thing in the movie, I guess. And yeah, I like you have your personal feelings when it comes to Leo. I do. <laughs> is that is that all you're gonna say? Yeah. <laughs> Fair. I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it a mystery. <laughs> no, no, I I, I am. Many people are enthralled by his performances in a way that I am not. Really, That's I fair. do. There are there. Are, he has done. I like him in this. Um, my favorite performance all time by him is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He's very good in that. He is fucking fantastic in that movie. Um, you know, I'm trying to remember who who won the Oscar that year for because it was for uh, lead actor. 
for um, lead actor. Uh, the 2019, yeah. 2018? To the, to the 19, yeah. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head those movies. But I thought he was fantastic, regardless. Um, but he's one of those actors where everyone's like, oh, he should have won. Because like, there's... That was the know, meme. For long, that was the meme. Every, oh, he should win an Oscar. But that's me with Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yes. yes. I, I am I am that obnoxious guy. Should you do um, you want do you want to take this opportunity to plug your your put your future fake podcast? Yes. So this the name it was Richard's idea. Um the this podcast, this is the Bradley Cooper Appreciation <laughs> Show. <laughs> I was originally gonna call it the Bradley Cooper Coopercast. Um But we I decided because of Richard's uh, input and his creation this name to use Radley Alley, which is a Bradley Cooper <laughs> fan podcast, no association with Bradley Cooper. First episode, we're going to talk about the A Team. Boom. <laughs> and if you're curious where that name comes from, just just a last note before we move on. Yes, it's a combination of Nightmare Alley and Bradley Cooper's seminal performance on Saturday Night Live during Zach Galifianakis's episode, where he played a character named. Radley Cooper. <laughs> so, Radley Alley, ladies and gentlemen. Which is also, fu- it makes this even funnier. You, know, you Do do you know why, Richard? Why? Do you know who Del Toro's first choice to play Stanton Carlisle was for Nightmare Alley? Yes, I do. <laughs> it was Kate Winslet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, it was it was it was Kathy Bates, I believe. Actually, it was Eric Braden, star of the long running hit CBS soap opera, The Young and the Restless. And I, am Stanton, all... I am I am Stanton Carlisle. Is that handbag of the Boston handbags? <laughs> <laughs> no, this this handbags. Um, actually, I made it myself. Oh yes. <laughs> it's like you have to believe he's a young man, but he looks older than David Strathairn. <laughs> That was a missed opportunity, Guillermo. I love you and everything you do, but that was a missed opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Radley, Radley Alley aside, all right. Radley Alley coming at you, baby. Probably not at some point in my life. Maybe in the summer, but we'll see. You know, this movie is gorgeous, and, you know, some of the effects have aged, but I don't think they, they, they've they aged in a way where they look like, like, Hollywood fake, in, in like, because, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example, when I watch Casablanca, Casablanca has a lot of these shots, like, the shot, I don't know if you remember, like, in the beginning of the movie where the plane flies over Rick's. And it's like the, the model, and it goes into a miniature, yeah. It goes, like, that, obviously that's not a real shot, but... It looks, it's perfect. It look, it, it needs to look that way to convey the desire, the dream of, of escape. Or the shot where, like, Rix is literally looking at the runway of, of the Casablanca airport, and you see the plane fly over. Mm-hmm. It's like, it didn't need to be 110% realistic. And then I think about, so I watched Death on the Nile, which is a movie I did not hate, but there were shots of that movie that, uh, that were left to be desired. Mm-hmm. I, I'll, I'll say that much. Um, and... Titanic goes a one shot of it. the ship is in, is in is in the horizon or whatever and it looks gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It looks like a pa- somebody painted the ship there. You know what I mean? And that like the load of miniature work in the movie is incredible. Cuz like when when they were making this, you know, obviously James Cameron is one of those guys that 
you know wants to push the technological advancements of cinema you know same as favreau or jackson you know any of those guys that while maybe they make some weird choices and missteps because they focus so much on that you appreciate them because later on someone can use that technology and and really do some amazing stuff with it sure and also like uh, from the get-go it could be great nonetheless with uh james cameron in this one there's definitely moments where there's some like old school like cgi or some creations here and there um because it's it's still like sort of a new technology and they're just kind of learning it a little bit like i i think of one bit that isn't very great but when um the stunt people were running away from running water and then you see leo and kate winslet's faces but they're like clearly superimposed onto their body that there's the 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 tracking and everything's just off like it's it's the precursor of the deep fake basically i remember they did something like that with the first jurassic park um where where like where where like lexi's stunt double looks up like the scene where like the raptors are chasing after them in the air vents yes or whatever yeah i do remember that they had to replace her face and that one i feel like is a little more seamless (laughs) it is it's a little because it's also very quick too Yes, exactly. So, whereas this, it's like it's lingering and it's in slow motion, so you really see it. But like at the same time, like while you do have those moments that are a bit dated, like the miniature work is incredible. Like mm-hmm. when the boat sinks, and obviously, like you know, they had to superimpose all those people on it, like a very old school Hollywood style. It, I mean, yeah, you can notice it, but it works, mm-hmm. and it almost gives it that kind of old Hollywood vibe, even though like that's probably just the way they wanted to make it to begin with. But also was... because, yeah, but also, no, no. like, not to cut you off, but, like, Rose is telling a story, yeah. you know, and a story, there's going to be heightened, like, things, especially in this, where it's not a gritty, not a particularly, like, gritty, I mean, there's some, some terrible things that happen, of course, but, like, yeah. it's 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 a movie where it's, like, it's very, pol- is a very polished look in the best possible way. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, Richard. I, I'm trying to time it better. I can't. You know who you're disappointing right now, Richard? Not my mom. She's happy I'm eating. Eric Braden, star of the <laughs> long-running hit CBS soap opera, The Young and the Restless. <laughs> we would have had another chicken incident. <laughs> What's his name? Eric Braden? Eric Braden, yep. Yeah. Mr. Braden? so sorry (laughs) (laughs) um there's there's so much i love about this movie i know you'll agree with me but there's so much like premonition stuff like yeah oh my god (laughs) all of it i love all the like anytime like one of my favorite ones sorry i don't mean to cut you off but um please the like there's so many little moments but my favorite one is when um uh mr andrews is explaining to rose that even though he wanted there to be extra boats they're like, oh, that'd be too much clutter. Don't put those extra boats on there. It's like, but we can fit them in, in case anything bad happens. It's like, nah. Or You're even taking like up the deck space as it is. It's taking up the deck space, man. We want people to walk freely. It's beautiful. Let them do it. And it's like, god damn it. <laughs> and then, or even like when we first see Cal, he's like boasting about the ship, the ship being unsinkable. He's like, God himself could not sink. What? Sorry. There's that moment when uh, someone like interrupts him, but like he says that. Yeah, I forget the name of the ship. He's like, it's not like Titanic. <laughs> the reference is like, an- like another ship. Uh, um, uh, the Mortania. Is that what it is? Mortania. Yes, thank you. I this was, is I 100 feet longer than the Mortania. And far more luxurious. 
I kept thinking about the Olympia, but the Olympia was like the sister ship where it's like, it has like, that's how they're able to know a lot of the details because there's no photographs of like that, that beautiful staircase that's in the movie. There's no real photographs of the Titanic's version of that, but the Olympia is a pretty close, like clone mm-hmm. in certain, in many respects uh, to the Titanic. And fun fact, in case you don't know, Olympia is the home of the Eternals. <laughs> Not starring um, Young and the Restless star, Eric Brandt. <laughs> Man, he should have been... Um, every been Eternal. Like, every Eternal. He should have been Cersei. I would have watched Eric Braden make love to himself. I feel like Eric Braden is now the the opposite of Oliver Reed. <laughs> I love like like the way we feel about Oliver Reed. Like <laughs> take that but the opposite. <laughs> we put Eric Braden on the pedestal he deserves and we throw Oliver Reed down. <laughs> it's so funny cuz I was showing I was showing my mom the scene Eric Braden. This is becoming the Eric Braden hour. But like <laughs> I was showing my mom the scene where Eric Braden is in there, and she was like, "Oh my god!" Because we see him now. He's like, he's a dude. Dudes are like in his eighties, you know. Oh, when you watch him on Young, Young and the Restless. You know, he's still he's still together. He's still really good in the show. You know, yes, I do watch soap operas sometimes, folks. Listen, we're talking Listen. about two romance movies. I have chicken in my mouth. Movies. It's okay, but and he look. He, it really is crazy how much young how young he looks. That's twenty five years ago. Mm-hmm. That movie, it's nuts. I mean, I look at everybody in this movie. Like, yeah. even, like, Leo has changed so much. The only mm-hmm. one I think that more or less looks the The only two, three, I'm going to say three, mm-hmm. that I think look the same still are Victor Garber. He's mm-hmm. aged like a fine wine. Kathy Bates, also, also aged like a fine wine. And Kate Winslet. You know, I think about, I was thinking about, I haven't seen David Warner in a while, but he's, I feel like he's just old. <laughs> he looked old then. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It makes me think of people like, um, like Tommy Lee Jones has always just looked old to me. Yes, absolutely. Um, Gordon Ramsay always looks old to me. <laughs> all those, all those people look old. Um, the James Horner music. Um, there's so many things we have to mention. James Horner, rest music. in peace, James Horner. On that note, yes, you icon. Um, you. It's a, it really is a great score, and it's so it made, good. I, I think. The music itself makes me think of like a funeral at sea, basically. Like throughout, and it's got this hauntingly beautiful quality to it. Like the um, the one choir singer, like the who, like that. Yes. Like the first thing we hear, huh? You know, it was funny, actually. Mm. Like sort of out of context, but related. Um, I was rewatching the Amazing Spider-Man movies the other day. Yeah. Uh huh. And. Um, I was what I was when I was watching the first one because um, you know obviously you know people remembered the Junkie XL stuff from the second one. I'm watching mm. the first one and I'm like, this music is so Titanic. Like I don't know why it's just this so Titanic, and then it's like, oh, the music's by James Horner. <laughs> I'm like, and it's it it again. It's like it, he sort of Phil Collins to that movie because he just goes, he went hard. There's like whole yes. scenes in Amazing Spider-Man in the first one where it's like it's that same like orchestrating like. Like ha 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 ha, but it, instead of um, people sailing on a boat and Jack Dawson looking at dolphins, it's Andrew Garfield swinging in New York City. Um, I also want to say too, shout out to a very to our very first episode because he did uh, James Horner did the music for um, 
Zoro for the uh, Mask of Zoro and the Legend of Zoro for that matter as well. Very good. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first movie I ever experienced with his music was uh, Casper. Okay, which Casper also has an incredible score. I think mm-hmm. that's one of the that's one of my childhood movies I'd want to do on the show. Um, we should remember I, we should pair that with Stuart Little just because because you were talking about Stuart Little. I you heard was. it here. You heard it here, folks. Uh, Casper Little, Little Casper, <laughs> Stuart Casper, <laughs> Stuart Casper. <laughs> I get, I get to talk about my, my one of my favorite toys in my childhood, the Radio Shack, uh, yes! Roadster RC. Yes! Oh, dude, yes, dude. I don't think uh, we've ever bonded more with anything in our lives uh, than that. The I day I opened that on Christmas, I, I was so happy. That was what that like because there are people who like remember specific toys when they're kids. That is one I definitely uh, remember. It's so great, but beyond Stuart Little, <laughs> I mean, you know what? It's cool. You heard it here first, Little Casper, <laughs> Stuart Stuart Casper, Stuart Casper. <laughs> like the it's, big it's, action scene is is so crazy um, to think about that that was that was a thing that happened. Like people talk about. Oh, this movie wouldn't happen today, kind of thing. But nobody would greenlight a movie of this of this scale and do all of that stuff. We were talking, we were kind of joking about it a little bit because like it is a th- over three hour long movie. Yes, and when you're first watching it, it's so different than when you you get to that latter half when the boat starts sinking. It's such a different movie, and it's it's so strange because you're watching it. And I mean, I keep thinking. I, I keep thinking about the the the, the two tape structure when the VHS came out, and that sort of perfect midpoint cutoff when um, Victor Garber as Mister Andrews is saying, "Like, no, we're fucked. <laughs> this boat's going down, baby." And everyone's like, "But what about this?" Like, nope. But well, hold on. What about no? Like, what about this? I mean, maybe, but no. <laughs> we're going down, and. And again, you have to remember too, like Titanic sank in a in a pretty long period of time, like a like a two three hour window period, where you know there were some people that had no clue what was going on. Yeah, there's like I th- and I think about some people, you know, the, the whole bit at the opening of the movie when you have all the all the uh, crew members going into people's rooms and saying, uh, you know, the captain's orders. Can everyone put a, a life preserver on? Masks. <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't want a life preserver. I'm fine. I'm I dressed well and I'm going to get a brandy. Masks. <laughs> you know what? Masks are stylish. I'm sure life preservers were stylish too. <laughs> Freaking Marty McFly pulled, pulled one off. <laughs> Is that why you are a life preserver? <laughs> Sorry. Oh um, but you know, there's so many people that were just like refusing it or saying no, and then you know the boat starts rattling and and uh, it starts tilting a little bit, and now everyone's starting to realize, oh crap, the people below deck knew immediately. <laughs> you know, yes, and then and obviously there's that I- implication of the class struggle um, when it comes to like people trying to get off the boat. Because, yeah. you know, the crew and everybody are very adamant, women and children first. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or not. But obviously the wealthy are either not giving a shit 
and they're like there's that one piece of shit dude i hate him so much he's <laughs> just sitting in the like the 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 one the staircase room with the water coming in and he's just got his stupid top hat on a brandy <laughs> and he's just looking at the water he's like uh. <laughs> i'm like i hate you so much you remind me mm-hmm. too much of people that i know <laughs> um and then there's like the people who are below deck who are you know the, the 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 street rats if you will the the lower people um who are immediately seeing the water you got the one guy who's like you know seeing the rats running away and he's like i'm going where they're going yep <laughs> like they know what they're, they know what they're doing um and and it literally becomes all out chaos like on like it literally you know no matter if you're looking at Above deck, below deck, it's literally people fighting to get to a lifeboat to get off the boat. Yes. And, like, then at that point, class doesn't matter anymore. Because, like, we're also sort of building that aspect of the movie as it's playing out. Because, especially with the romance, Rose is well off. Like, she's almost like a Disney princess. It's very much Mm -hmm. like, you know, Aladdin with, you know, Aladdin and Jasmine and their sort of differentiations. Um, And then, like, I love the bit when Cal... Uh, the piece of shit that he is, played by the lovable Billy Zane, <laughs> and his wonderful eyebrows, uh, <laughs> um, like pays off that one dude. Uh, the the what was his what was what was the guy's name the the actual person or whatever Murdoch Murdoch I believe yeah um, he pays him off and like he thinks he's got an out and then the guy's like screw you and he just tosses yeah. the money at him and he has the, his line is much better than what I just said. But yeah, and then even just like the emotional stuff that was happening, like um, you were telling me when we were watching, speaking of Murdoch, that there was like a controversy because, like in the in the film, there, that yeah. character kills himself because you know he's struggling with that, and then he kills two people, and then that rocks his world a little bit. Right. There's been a lot of talk about because obviously, like you know, it's not like today where everybody has a camera in their pockets where they can record everything, you know. Mm. So there's a lot of people, there were people saying that there was, like, members shoot, like, like crew members shooting people, or a crew member killing themselves, and a lot of people say the most likely person to do that was Murdoch, but I remember hearing somewhere that Murdoch was a bit more heroic than that, mm-hmm. but again, it's so, it's so hard because th- there's a lot of details that we don't have that are, like, that are just, that would probably be really crucial, but I do remember there were, I thought there was, like, a controversy surrounding that, um... I was running Murdoch, you know. You were but, you were looking some stuff up about it, and I was like, I didn't, because re- I, I didn't know about it, honestly. But I mean, I mean, when you think about it, like every person who's ever like been on the Titanic, like especially the crew members and stuff. It's like a notable thing on some level, you know. Um, what were we just talking like the class struggle, obviously, with this. Mm-hmm. Going back to nine nine eleven, um, especially when the boat the boat tilts up was, was tilts up. Thinking about the people yeah. jumping off, um, people <clears throat> falling off, um, and mm. I feel like it's kind of weird to think this came out four years before, like you know, just less than four years before nine eleven, and I feel mm. like that would have been a major studio note. Is I don't know how I feel about uh, the the imagery, people, the imagery, you know, yeah, um, definitely thought about it more this time, it, uh, for sure. I, again, I think. I think when you were watching this movie when we're older, because I got both of us experienced this movie the first time we were younger. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I mean, I obviously I can't speak for you, but I think I can to a certain degree with this. But like 
we we're young at that point when we watch it, so we can't comprehend the that like the tragedy aspect of it. No, no, because we're watching it, and I think it's the same for like any any kid who's watching like a big movie that's like kind of a romance and you know maybe with some historical or like a history movie in general they can't necessarily like i can imagine you know if like a like a 14 15 year old watching schindler's list for the first time maybe can't initially comprehend what that movie is really about and then when you get older and you learn more about it you become more sympathetic and you become an empathetic person and you know you hear more about this you know you're watching the movie and you know we're, we were talking about it as we were watching it like how this movie and we talked about it a little bit earlier already but like how this movie sort of took over the actual historical event to yeah. a certain extent but when you take away that context and you watch the movie and you watch like how it's representing the tragedy with like imagery like those people jumping off or like people who hit the propellers when they're when they're falling um or like you know, and it makes it makes me so much more angry at that stupid inflatable slide <laughs> that they that they did for like carnivals, mm-hmm. where it's like the 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 back of the Titanic being tilted up and like kids can slide off on right. it like wee. It's like that's a little insensitive. Um, so it makes you it makes you feel a little bit more for this incident. So you're you're watching it, and if if the movie works, I think, and it gets to that point, you feel it more because you're feeling for all these characters that you've interacted with. Yep. Some of them based on real people, some of them completely made up, but you're still feeling for it. And so this time watching it, I think is the the most it's ever affected me. I think, mm-hmm. and it could no, be sure. it could be contributed because I am older and I'm a little bit more aware. This might be the same for you. I'm not sure, but. Um, you you start to get reminded of like yeah this was a genuinely like horrible thing and so many people died because of it like like if I'm being honest I was and I enjoyed the movie I was genuinely uncomfortable watching a lot of that stuff yeah no I agree I agree oh god oh god and I've known the story I think about the Titanic probably every day of my life you know for the reasons I indicated earlier but it just seeing seeing a portray when the lights go out on the boat. (laughs) Uh, anytime i see children the children too like i think i think about the mother telling the story to her kids in their room my good gravy or like the the older couple just staying in bed with the water coming in underneath them yeah like i guess maybe it could also be like a desensitizing thing as well because you know, I think there's a point, especially. I think I, I can I can say with myself, I'm not I'm not entirely okay with it, but to a certain extent, like I feel a little desensitized when it comes to some movies, especially like some bigger tragedies. So like I don't feel like I initially feel the impact of some mm-hmm. things that I the way that I should at least. Uh, that could also just be like from my like my media consumption in general. Are you okay? No, yeah, sorry, I was just. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, are you but being just, haunted right now? I've been, I've been I've been sitting on my seat and I'm just like, immediate <laughs> um, uh, consumption. That yeah, because you, like, you watch a lot of horror stuff and you know a lot of horror, a lot of different things, and you know maybe to a certain extent, like I couldn't fully appreciate like this movie when I initially watched it and like what it was depicting and what it was trying to say, and so watching it now, I think 
it makes me feel like it's more important than I initially felt it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's I I I think this this might have arguably been like my best viewing experience because I think I got everything that I should have initially got it when I first watched it. Right. That's good. Um. So and like when you when you see all those moments with the people like again jumping off or like the the people that are still on the boat like even the rich snobs that refuse to leave like you want them to leave yes and like you want them to get out you want them to survive like i think of the bit when victor garber goes up to the crew member and he's like what the fuck are you doing mm-hmm. this boat this this lifeboat could fit 70 60 like there's only 12 people in one boat for a boat that was that was literally practiced on by the the weight of 70 large dudes and you're telling Mm. me you can't fit 60 you know women and small children onto this boat maybe more are you serious and then the worst part oh my god the worst part is the fact that only one boat comes back that was so that was so haunting just that like mr fantastic on the boat um Young like, Mr. Fenty. He was young, very young. He was very young. That 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 shocked us a little bit. That was insane. He sounded like a baby, but like he like going through those like, all those frozen dead bodies and just Rose trying to call for them. And like her her vocal core is clearly like yeah. damaged and like she's trying to call for the guy and she's already like you know Jack just died cuz he froze to death cuz he was still in the water. And I'm listen. Door no door. We're not going to talk about it. It's overdone. It's stupid. Sorry, I don't know if you wanted to, but it's stupid. They could they they can fit, but they would have sunk. Yes, that's there you that's go. basically what it comes down to. So uh, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. So just seeing just just seeing her like trying to call the boat back and then have to like get into the water to like get the the whistle off that guy, like, uh it's so harrowing. It's so haunting. Um, and even with like the music like it's supposed to sort of insinuate like a sort of hopefulness when she gets the whistle and she starts blowing on it you hear the ooh but man the imagery just everything about it like it it just again it reminds you that this was this was this was a genuinely horrible tragedy that it was it was purely an accident it you know it was overconfidence pressure probably from the superiors the captain mm-hmm. deciding you know full speed ahead yep and thousands of people lost their lives and you know again i think it's i know we've been talking about it a lot but like it should genuinely be emphasized that this was something that is genuinely tragic and because the movie does sort of overshadow it a little bit i'm just like don't forget this is real yeah that's why i also encourage people to watch a night to remember because it's not really i mean as great as this movie is it's not like it doesn't really focus on a specific set of people. There's different people that it focuses on. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously there might be certain things that aren't as accurate as this movie, but I feel like it, it does capture like this group like sense of like the people on the Titanic. Um, also, I just want to, this movie was a big hit, obviously, but yeah. there were people anticipating that this would be a major failure as well. Um, like, didn't we talk about, how this movie like moved its release date because it didn't want to compete with scream yeah yeah that was such a weird fact to learn like it yeah yeah it's very strange but it opened to 28 million dollars richard weekend number two now normally second weekend's gonna drop like 50 60 percent if you're a big movie it went up 23 almost 24 percent 
Jesus. Okay, and it had very limited drops weekend to weekend. It was the kind of, like, most blockbusters today, it's like the fanboys want to go see it immediately. Opening weekend, it makes three kajillion dollars, and then it drops off drastically weekend two, because everybody's got it out of their system. And now it's just people who couldn't get their tickets or people wanting to see it again. Titanic, it was a big word of mouth kind of thing. People just kept going and going and going and going. And I was was reading about this, like Titanic... Titanic opened up like movie movie territories that they didn't think were marketable. Like there's some like Eastern European territory. I remember somebody talking about, um, or it might have been some Asia, some country that didn't really have movies, and their first major release was Titanic. Like as a major movie presence was Titanic. That's insane. And that was that's 25 years ago, you know. Um, and of course, this movie tied with Ben Hur. And then eventually, Lord uh, Return of the King would tie with it. Most Oscars won by by a movie. Eleven, 11? Oscars, yeah, eleven, including Best Picture. And it should be noted, it's tied with All About Eve, uh, another Best Picture winner. Most Oscar nominations of all time. Fourteen Oscar nominations for Titanic. Um, and this is one of those cases where it's not just technical stuff because obviously Kate Winslet and Gloria Stewart were both nominated. Were both nominated, at and they're they both win incredible both both phenomenal fantastic so this isn't just a spectacle movie that's a major part of the appeal but at the core of it it is as we said it's a love story and um i also on on another note you showed me the alternate ending which i didn't know existed mm -hmm. it feels like a fucking joke (laughs) it feels like i was so surprised you had no clue that existed no. I dude, swore I, I thought you would have known. It felt like an SNL sketch. <laughs> Which there was an SNL sketch <laughs> with Bill Paxton in it. <laughs> it was it was like an SNL sketch that just it, it just felt real it felt like a nineties comedy at the end. Like and it's literally like them just explaining the point of the movie that life matters and you know to me to as Jack says in the movie, to make each day count. But and then I just love the way this one like the real ending is like it's a nice moment it's rose dropping it's the, a nice nice curtain call like kind of moment you know and again yeah, like the picture just and you know see what she does then she goes she dies she goes to titanic heaven basically yep and then just seeing and <sighs> and you also it's sort of bittersweet because there's so many people you see and you're like all these people died yep like the little girl mm-hmm. we see throughout the movie, you see this little girl who, in many respects, reminded both of us of the the red jacket girl from Schindler's List. Yes, the, yeah. I, and one thing with both of these movies that they're not they're love stories, but other than Jack and Rose getting to be with each other in heaven, kind of thing, they don't really get to be together. No, and ne- neither do uh, Rick and Elsa. Like with Rick and Elsa, it's literally about. Um, you know, Rick loves her so much, but he wants her to be free and he wants her to get away. And so, like, he initially plans for the plane to have, him, I believe, right? Him and Elsa were going to be on the plane. And then he was like, gonna you're getting on that plane. And it's really but, with uh, Laszlo. But he, it's where he realizes his ideals. The, mm-hmm. the, the ideals of, like, the war effort defeating the Nazis is much more important than his problem. His and Ilsa's problem, as he says it, don't amount to a hill of beans. Mm-mm. And then uh, with this one, Jack and Rose, you know, unfortunately Jack dies at the end of the movie. Um, 
but they get to have a final moment together. <clears throat> you yes. know, you know, uh, he's still there. He he's like, listen, if we don't make it out, I need you to promise me. You know, you'll you'll go out, you'll live your life basically, and that's exactly what she does. And yep. and again, it's it's that idea too of like, if you're dead, are you really dead? You know what I mean? Yep. Like like Jack died, but sh- he meant so much to Rose to the point where Rose changes her last name when she gets to America. She's Rose Dawson now. She has no association with the Dewipticator or um, Cal or anyone else. Like she's Rose Dawson, mm. and and it also like makes it also makes me think about how at the beginning of the movie, um, they mentions that uh, they mentioned her name was Rose Dawson back then, and then she murders this guy named Calvert, and so like because when we meet her, she's Rose Calvert, but then initially she was Rose Dawson, so then we find out why she's Rose mm. Dawson, and I like I like that. I was also thinking about to, like one of the other scenes uh, with the mother where they're saying our memories scattered like before, before our eyes or memories leaving us or whatever. And I, I think by the end of the movie where she's like, I don't have a picture of Jack. He only exists in my memory. And he, you know, he, he lives forever in in her heart and in her mind. And her heart will go on. Her heart will go on. And, this, is, this this conversation became much more somber than I expected it. <laughs> it did. But listen, it's, Titanic oh. is, a, is a great... Ooh, Titanic's <laughs> a great movie. It's so good. It's actually so good. These are both really great romantic movies. Um, this was Happy Valentine's Day, Joe. <laughs> this was some, actually, fun fact, this episode was supposed to be like put out Valentine's Day weekend, but obviously... With everything, you know. So this everything. is our this is our late Valentine's Day episode. Our late Valentine's Day. If you like your love stories a little more tragic, we gotcha. You know, we gotcha. All right. Uh, you know, and these are two of the most beloved movies of all time. So these are widely available. Um, I think Casablanca is on HBO Max. I, I I highly encourage anyone, especially those people who've shied away from them because of maybe public reception. People going like, oh, it's like, regardless of that, give them a try. See how you feel yep. about it. You might love them because we do. Yes, um, we can check us. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we each have Letterbox. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. Um, what are some of your favorite romantic movies of all time? Please let us know. I mean, we would like to talk about those picks and and give you guys some shout outs. If you have any double feature suggestions, you can send them on over. Richard will definitely check those out because he handles all that nonsense. I'm the social media guy. <laughs> he is the uh, the executive social media director of uh, Two Dudes Operations. I need to find an assistant. <laughs> Gifford would have been a good, Gifford to be a good assistant. Yeah, I might ask him. You should. Anyway, uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of Two Dudes One Double Feature. Check us out next time. Have a good night, everyone, and happy Valentine's Day. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned in two weeks for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.
Actually, it was Eric Braden, star of the long-running hit <laughs> CBS soap opera, The Young and the Restless. 